the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. very little grace for one another, very little tolerance and patience for each other. And it's sad because God's people should come together and in a spirit of unity, love one another, support one another, encourage one another. And when we fail each other, we're there to pick them up and to dust them off and to pray for the restoration and to help them be restored. That is assuming they want that. Some don't. So that the body of Christ can be unified in the love of Jesus, serving the same Savior. God can move in anyone and accomplish His will through them. Samson was a man that made bad decision after bad decision, falling repeatedly into sin, but God still used him in mighty ways. Today, Pastor Gary is going to show you that even though God can use you in your sin, There's so much more life and blessings when you're living for Him. One of the jobs of the church is to encourage one another to stay firm in their walk with God so they can experience the fullness of God working in their lives. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 14, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. He goes, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, that's how long the feast would go, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. These are fine, you know, three-piece tailored suits. That's what he's saying to them. He's like, I'm going to give you a riddle, all 30 of you, and if you can solve the riddle, I'll buy you all brand new suits. What do you think? But, he says, if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, here's the riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now, for three days, they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife... Okay, now, she's called a wife even if they haven't consummated it. Because in that culture, when you have the ceremony, you exchange vows. The dowry is exchanged. The bride price, the father pays to the father of the bride. You're considered married even though you haven't consummated it. So that terminology is why she's called a wife. So they haven't finished the feast, but look what happens. These guys, on the seventh day, they came to Samson's wife. Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us. Or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Well, that's not a great option, is it? It's like, you know, 
go find out the secret of the riddle. We're going to kill you and your father. We're going to burn your house down. So, you know, not really good neighbors, wouldn't you say? These are not good neighbors. You know, what happened to the yard sign? It's like love conquers all or whatever, you know. But anyway, so here they are. And these are her own fellow townsmen. She's a Philistine. These are the Philistine guys. Tell us, or we're going to burn your house down. And they add, have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? In other words, is this riddle just to make fools out of us? And so it says, then Samson's wife, verse 16, then Samson's wife wept on him and said, you only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. (laughs) Okay. Now, I I know this is so detached from where any of you live in your lives. The idea that a wife would ever cry to her husband, but here she is. And I just like the new King James. She wept on him. She's like crying all over him. She's weeping all over him. You don't love me. You don't love me. You don't love me. You only hate me. You've told this riddle. You haven't explained it. Look at what he says to her. This guy needs a crash course in counseling right here. And he said to her, look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother. So should I explain it to you? (laughs) What? Now, verse 17, does that help? No, because look, verse 17, the waterworks just intensify. Now she had wept on him. The seven days, seven long days, she's crying. She's crying. Ladies, sometimes, I just got to tell you, sometimes your husband, they don't understand. We don't understand. We don't understand the tears. We don't understand it. And for seven long days, that's not fair. (laughs) That's just not even fair. And look what happens. She wept the seven days while their feast lasted. And it happened on the seventh day that he told her, because she pressed him so much. Some translations say he was worn out by her nagging, okay? (laughs) She pressed him so much. Then she explained the, so he tells her. And then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, here's the answer to the riddle. What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? Now, look, he made up a riddle about his own encounter of killing the lion and how bees made honey in the carcass of the lion. So he makes up this riddle, try to figure out this whole thing. And then he tells his wife, because she'd been crying for seven long days. So he said, fine already. I'll tell you, stop crying. And so he tells her, which always helps when you say to her, stop crying. That's always a wonderful Boy, they get quiet in here. I'm kidding, right? I'm kidding. (laughs) And so she tells her fellow, you know, Philistine guys. And the whole riddle was about the lion carcass and the honey. Now, oh, it gets worse. Look, he said to them. So he's mad now. He's mad. He's mad that she told them. He's mad that he felt worn down and to tell her. And so look, he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. What? What did you just call her? (laughs) Now, some of you might be thinking as I did, maybe this is just some kind of a weird Hebrew expression. Maybe behind the original language, it really meant something else like sweet calf. I'm here to tell you, no. I looked it up, but it means just what it says. He's calling her a heifer, but it shows you his anger here. This is a bad chapter, isn't it? This is bad. 
And it says in verse 19, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon. Okay, now Ashkelon is a seaport city within the Philistine territory. He goes down about 23 miles southwest. So this is a little bit of a hike. Goes down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So he makes good on his promise, right? But in a very... Very brutal way. Because he said to these guys, if you can solve my riddle, I'll give you, the 30 of you, I'll give you each a brand new suit. They solve it, albeit through some manipulation with the wife and the wife telling the Philistine guys. So Samson's like, all right, well, I promised you 30 suits. I'm going to make good on it. Goes down to Ashkelon, kills 30 Philistines of their own people, takes off their clothing off their back and brings it back to these guys. Here, here's your fine clothing. This guy's just out of control. I mean, Samson is an angry man. He obviously does this out of retribution and retaliation. And it even says here that he's angry because the rest of verse 19 says, So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house. Notice, and Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. So when Samson goes on this angry rampage, This murderous, angry rampage goes down to Ashkelon, finds 30 well-dressed Philistines, kills them, takes off their suits, goes back up to Timnah, gives it to these 30 guys. He's so angry that it says he goes back to his father's house. So what normally would have been, this is the seventh day of the feast, and this is now the end of the ceremony, and then he takes his wife, consummates it, and off they go into the sunset. No, no. He ends up killing these 30 Philistines, giving the clothing to these guys who solved the riddle. He's so mad at his wife. He's so mad at these Philistine guys. He just goes back to his dad's house. And maybe for good reason, because he needed to calm down. He's so angry. But in the process of leaving, the Philistine woman, his wife's father, thought, well, Samson's mad. He's not coming back. So he turns to the best man of the wedding and says, you can have my daughter. So this is a terrible scene. It's a sad scene on many different levels. But now Samson doesn't know that his wife has been given to his best man. Can you imagine how painful that would be? So chapter 15, take a look. So after a while, doesn't tell us how long, but he's simmered down. He's calmed down now. He's been at his father's house. So after a while, in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. Okay, back in the day, I guess that was the equivalent of a bouquet of flowers. So he's going back, he's trying to make up, he's going to take a young goat, she really like this. And he said, let me go into my wife, into her room. Now, so now he's ready to consummate it, but however long this has been to take him to calm down. But her father would not permit him to go in. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her, therefore I gave her to your companion." Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. So dad offers his other daughter. I mean, he's like, she's prettier. Why don't you take her? I don't know if he's doing this out of guilt. I don't know if it's sincere or whatever. And Samson said to them, this time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Exclamation mark, right? So he's like, you know what? I was mad before when I killed those 30 guys. You ain't seen nothing now. Because now I'm so mad at this, I have good reason to be mad. This is what he's saying. I have good reason to be mad now. And it says, verse 4, Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, 
and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and olive groves. Now, I got a few questions when I read this. One is, how does one man catch 300 fox, you know? And, and it was like the countryside just, you know, running rampant with fox? I mean, it's just like, how do you, 300? I mean, I barely see one every once in a while in our neighborhood and around town. I mean, this is like hunt country. We're living like in hunt country. And it takes like, you know, a cavalry of horses in Middleburg to go find one fox. <laughs> and yet this guy is rounding up 300, 300 now. It doesn't say, it implies it, but it doesn't say that he did it by himself. Maybe he had help. I don't think so, but it doesn't really say. The other thing it doesn't say was that he did this necessarily in one day. It could have taken him several days to do this. But he rounds them all up. You know, I don't know, does he have cages that he's storing them in while he's rounding them all up? I guess. I don't know. But then the Bible says that he takes a pair of them and he ties them tail to tail. They must not have been happy about that. You know, clawing at him, probably trying to do this. And then he puts a torch tied to the tails that the two of them are tied together. And off he goes. So he sends them into the vineyards, into the olive grove, into the wheat fields. And they're just spreading fire wherever they go. And he's torching the whole place. And this is how he's getting revenge on the Philistines. And then verse 6, good question. Then the Philistines said, who's done this? <laughs> who's done this? Can you imagine seeing foxes tied together by their tails coming through your vineyard? Like, what in the world? Well, who's done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite. Because he has taken his wife the dad, and given her to his companion. And so the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. So now they're caught in the crosshairs. They're innocent, but now there's so much hatred and anger all the way around. Now the Philistines are like, you're the cause of this, this whole marriage fiasco and the whole deal and given to the best man. And he went down and killed 30 of our Philistines to bring back some sport coats. So now we're going to kill you. And so they burn the dad and the daughter and burn them with fire. And Samson said to them, verse seven, since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you. And after that, I will cease. Well, no, you won't. He's still got a lot more to go, but he's like, I'm not done. I'm going to come after you now. And so verse 8, so he attacked them hip and thigh. Now, that is a Hebrew expression. I had to look that one up. Hip and thigh just means with unrestrained cruelty. That's just a phrase. That he attacked them, the Philistines, hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Etam. Now, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. Now, Lehi is a town within Judah. So you've got Philistine territory around Gaza. Like even today, even though it's a misnomer that today's modern Palestinians are the descendants of the Philistines. That's not true. The Philistines were seafaring people that end up getting wiped off the face of the Bible and they're never seen again. The Palestinian people are not the ancient Philistines. But the Palestinian people today do occupy some of the territories that the ancient Philistines did. Primarily, whenever you hear in the news about Gaza, the Gaza Strip along the Mediterranean coast, that was where the Philistine territory was. This is where Timnah was. 
But now, Samson has retreated to a city within the territory of the Jewish people, and the Philistines are coming there. And it's Lehi. And it says in verse 10, And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? So they're talking to the Philistines. Why are you guys here? So they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? Now this is a sad question that they're asking him because God has raised up Samson to be a deliverer for the Israelites against the Philistines. But because there's this ruckus now where the Philistines have come to Lehi and they're armed for bear... And the people of Judah, the Jewish people, are now confronted by there's going to be war here. His own Jewish people find Samson and say, you're bringing all this on us. Don't you know that the Philistines rule over us? Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be God ruling over us. But because the people have engaged in idolatry, you know, the sin cycle of the book of Judges, that's why God's given them over to the Philistines. But they're not supposed to accept this. They're not supposed to just lie down and like, oh, well, you know, the Philistines are ruling over us. They should have been saying to Samson, what are you going to do to help defend us because now the Philistines are here? But they're asking this probing question because they're upset with him. And look at what they're going to do. They're going to trade him in. Look what happens. And he said to them, this is Samson replying to them, middle of verse 11. He said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. They did me wrong, so I got back at them. But they said to him, now this is his own Jewish people. They said to him, we have come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. This is God's deliverer. And they're going to take him as their own prisoner and turn him over to the enemy. What is happening here? Do you know, sadly, the church is often accused today of being the only group of people who shoot their own wounded. Because sometimes we have very little grace for one another, very little tolerance and patience for each other. And it's sad because God's people should come together and in a spirit of unity, love one another, support one another, encourage one another. And when we fail each other, we're there to pick them up and to dust them off and to pray for the restoration and to help them be restored. That is assuming they want that. Some don't. So that the body of Christ can be unified in the love of Jesus, serving the same Savior across all kinds of demographics and race and creed and ethnicity and all of the stuff that divides the world should never divide the church, that we should be together loving each other, helping to restore each other, praying for each other, encouraging one another. This is a sad commentary on what is tragically even so common today. People who don't really fight with and for each other They see each other as the problem. It should not be. And the Israelites here are turning in their own leader. Why? For the sake of peace. We want peace. We don't like the Philistines are here to attack us. You're the cause of it. So instead of joining with you and seeking God, how we can defeat the same enemy. Do you understand? In the body of Christ, we have the same enemy. And it's not each other. The enemy is Satan, who's like a roaring lion looking to devour us. He is the prince of the air. He's the prince of darkness. He wants to destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy every church. That's the enemy. We're not the enemy. And we need to start to realize that about each other, to love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, restore each other. 
They had a common enemy, and instead of fighting the common enemy, they were turning on each other. And so we've come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And then Samson said to them, this is verse 12, Swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So it seems here that Samson submitted himself to their request rather than fight them, and he's going to trust God. He's like, guys, if you've come to arrest me, you want to turn me over to them? Okay. He doesn't fight them here. He doesn't resist. He's going to trust God. And so they spoke to him saying in verse 13, no, no, we're not going to kill you, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. You know, we won't go that far, but we're going to turn you over to them and they'll probably kill you. You know, they're not thinking any of this through. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Okay, this is where he was, you know, hanging out there on the rock of Etam. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. But oh, look again what it says. This is the second time we see this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. He can't tie him down here. The Spirit of the Lord's come upon him in power. And verse 15, And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. All by himself. Again, there's no army with this guy. He's all by himself. Takes the jawbone of a donkey, uses it as a weapon, and he just starts, you know, like ninja style, just like, why, yeah, why? And, you know, and he's like probably surrounded by all of them, and he's just doing the whole thing in a big 360-degree circle, and he's shaking this jawbone. This is like the weapon in his hand. But, you know, really, the weapon in his hand is the power of God to defeat the enemy. And he is just being used by the Lord in this extra superhuman strength here. And, you know, the Marvel movies don't do justice to, like, what this guy's life is about, you know. They ought to pick him up in some of the Marvel movies here. But here he is. Well, that wouldn't probably be a very nice thing to take kids to. You know, Spider-Man's probably a lot better than a guy wielding a jawbone of a donkey. And you're going to see a lot of heads rolling, literally. So I take that back. No Marvel movie out of this. But he kills a thousand of these Philistines all by himself. And then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey... Heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was that when he had finished speaking, that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramath Lehi. And you, some of your Bibles have footnotes. It means jawbone hill. So that's what he's going to call it, Ramath Lehi. And then he became very thirsty. So here's the one time that he does pray. And he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? And so God split the hollow place that is in Lehi. So there's some rock there, some hollow place. And God split it and water gushes out. Water came out and he drank and his spirit returned. And he revived, and therefore he called its name En-Hakor, which means spring of the caller. En means spring, so he's called out to the Lord, so he's the caller. It's the spring of the caller, it's the spring of the one who called out to the Lord, which is in Lehi to this day, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Well, we're not done with his story. He's got a couple more chapters here. 
Again, it all fits into a life of a man who's very complicated, but nevertheless a man that God used. So there's much to learn from his life. I pray that we would be warned by the bad things and encouraged by the good things. He's a frail man like the rest of us, and yet God still saw purpose to use him. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is a bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But He's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to Him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.